Today we're going to continue on in our series uh, called Devils in the Details. And so today's passage is going to be coming from the first book of the Bible, Genesis. And I threw in some extra verses because I think it helps set the stage for context. So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 and 17. Then we'll jump to the passage for today, Genesis 3, 1 through 16. So I invite you to follow along uh, as the word is read. It'll be presented on the screens. You can use your Bible or you can just listen as I read the word. So starting off with Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it you shall die. Then chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God has made. And he said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, You may, said, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and thought it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both were open, and they saw they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves." And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Well, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said to you, Who told you that were you naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I've commanded you not to eat? And the man said, Well, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent tricked me, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put an enemy between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. And he will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. And to the woman he said, I'll make your pangs and childbirth exceedingly great. In pain you shall bring forth children. Yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A lot going on right here. It's a big passage. A passage early in scripture that we're presented here. In this series of Devil in the Details, we started out last Sunday, the first sermon, about the book of Revelation and the devil being presented as a dragon. And this great battle between the archangels of Lucifer, the devil, and the archangel Michael and his angels, and how the devil was cursed down to the earth with a third of the angels that followed him. And so we're here and presented, though, going back to Genesis here, where you have the first interaction between... The serpent, who we know as the devil, and God's creation, mankind. And so we're going to dive into this. And so first, let's take a look here at what God told Adam and Eve about the Garden of Eden. And the trees located it. It starts out, so I put in the second chapter here, where God told Adam, he said, Look, 
You're here to keep the garden. You're to till it. You're to maintain it. You have dominion over this earth. You're to take care of my creation. This is a responsibility of yours. And look, when you look around your garden that you have, this beautiful place, this beautiful place, you're going to have everything you need. You're going to have plenty of it. You're going to be okay, but guess what? There is something that you don't need to eat from, and that is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You should not eat of it because you will die once you do. It's dangerous. Don't eat it. But you got the rest of the garden. Go for it. Then something happened. Here's the devil, known as the serpent in the story, and we go to chapter 3, and all of a sudden you're presented to this scene right here of Eve and the serpent. And it says here that the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God has made. And he said to the woman, he said to Eve, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? More crafty than any other creature. The devil, represented as the serpent here, is somebody who knows God very well. Doesn't respect God, doesn't worship God, wants to destroy God and his creation, but knows him well. The devil knows scripture better than probably almost any person could. Knows the ins and the outs. And it's very crafty and clever. Remember last week when we went over some of the names of the devil and the characteristics of the devil as we jumped around in different passages. One of them says the father of lies. He's a real good liar. He can twist words, make you doubt things, make you question things. So here you go. And you get to see him in action. Where it says, the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal the Lord God has made. And he said to the woman, well, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? He knew the answer to that question. But he's going to get Eve to doubt herself and to think about things. And the woman said, we may eat from the fruit of the tree in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden. Or nor nor shall you touch it. Here's something interesting. Either Eve misunderstood God, or when God told Adam, hey, don't eat from it, he then said, hey, don't even touch it, Eve, whatever. He never said not touch it. You probably could have ran around it, slept underneath the tree, whatever. The command was, do not eat the fruit of it, though. Do not eat of the fruit. So maybe Adam and Eve just thought, hey, we shouldn't even touch it. And I understand that. Something's dangerous, don't even go near it, don't even touch it, right? We think that, we tell our kids that. But that's not what God said. His main thing was, just don't eat from it. But then the serpent said to the woman, you won't die. For God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So the devil's going here planting a little bit of a lie, a little bit of a doubt for Eve. Huh. Well, maybe maybe I would be like God. Maybe that's not what he wants me to eat from it, you know, but maybe if I am like God, I can know good and evil. I can determine what's good and evil, and it is a a beautiful tree. And so right here, you kind of have this little, almost a theological back and forth between Eve and the serpent. Well, God said we shouldn't eat it and touch it. Well, the serpent's like, well, you surely won't die. You'll just see like God sees things. See, this little turmoil is coming in. He's planting the seed of doubt. And so here, he's saying, you know, you'll be like God. You'll be like God. That would be great. And you know the difference between good and evil. What's wrong with that? 
So that when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she said, why not? He's got a pretty good case over here. So I'm going to eat it. So she took of the fruit and ate. And then she gave some to her husband and he was with her and he ate it. A few things. We have the gift of free will. We are not mere puppets on a string, even from the beginning. The devil knew this. The serpent knew this, and he played on that. The serpent, the devil, did not force the fruit into the mouth of Eve and Adam. They freely chose to eat of it after this conversation with the devil. They were given the gift of free will. And they freely chose to disobey God and to eat of this fruit. This was the devil's first attack on God's creation. His most beloved creation. His creation that's made in his image. The one that's to have dominion of the earth and be a relationship to himself and to humanity. That's a direct attack to the devil. He played on Eve and Adam and they chose with their will to eat of it. And that's the thing here. When you're reading this at first, and some of the things you think of, oh, Eve's by herself with the serpent. Where's Adam and all this? It tells you where he was standing right there, going along with the plan. Oh, yeah, that sounds great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure, give me some fruit. He was there. He said nothing. Nothing. He just ate of the fruit after Eve did. They're both equally at fault in this situation. They chose to disobey God. And so what happened? <laughs> Their eyes were opened. They did start to see things as God sees things, but yet they were not God. What they got, and what the devil wasn't going to tell them, is now you'll be forever able to see good and evil, and you will forever wrestle with this choice of what to do with good and evil. Your eyes are opened, and now your temptation is going to be even stronger. And that's exactly what the serpent was trying to do, was to attack God's creation and to drive a wedge between God and his creation. And now his creation can see the world as he does, but now has to battle internal struggles between good and evil. It makes it even more harder. So the devil directly attacked God's creation in that moment. And so what happens next is that then they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. The man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. This was the time that God would normally come and commune with his creation in the evening. And when it says that they heard the Lord walking in the garden at the evening breeze, that means that God's presence is a powerful presence. And it was their time to be together in relationship. But instead of that, because their eyes were open, they saw that they were naked and they were ashamed and afraid. New emotions. New human emotions as a result of their sin and choice to disobey God. Now they're experiencing it for the first time and they hide. And in that moment, God knew they broke his commandment. He says, where are you? Where are you? Why aren't you here like you were last time? Why are you hiding? This is something new for you. Just as like as parents, you know, your kids are a little off or they start hiding things or being a little... 
you know something's up. They did something. They broke something and put it in the cabinet where you can't see it or something like that. They put a hole in the wall and put a furniture piece in front. of You know something's up. He knew something was up. He said, you ate from that tree. The tree that I told you to not eat from. You had all of these other trees in the garden, but that tree was dangerous. I said, if you eat from it, you will die. Now, whether that meant a physical death, we don't know, because he didn't physically kill humanity in that moment. He didn't kill Adam and Eve. But what we do know is that that was a spiritual death, which is what sin leads to. Sin leads to separation, death, and destruction. And that's more of the death that God was referencing in that moment, more than likely. Because now they were hiding from their creator. They were separating themselves from their creator. Shame, afraid. Being afraid is constantly mentioned in the Bible of the people that are written about in the Bible. A lot of folks were afraid. But that is why the angels of the Lord and God and Jesus tells the Christian, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. It is said to have been written in Scripture at least 365 times as a reminder to us every day to push back against this fear that we are experiencing because of the original sin. And so that's what you have. This is the first sin. And so what is sin? Well, we preached on that not too long back, and I looked at my notes, and some of the things that we said about sin is that you have what's called original sin as a result of the fall, which is what we're hearing about right now. The fall of mankind, Adam and Eve eating of the forbidden fruit, and therefore humanity from that point will always be able to see good and evil and wrestle with the choice of choosing between good and evil. The fall. And that time and time again, we would fall to temptations and be forever separated from God. And that is called original sin as a result of the fall. Then you have what's called sins that you do by acts of commission and omission. Okay, that's what we talked about not long ago. And then you have societal sins, where sins of society, like the institution of slavery, as the whole society went along with it while it was still wrong. And so you have all of these sins that then begin birthed out of this moment here in the garden. And you have this moment here where our eyes are open to see good and evil. And so now God is upset. And so what does he do? What happens in this moment here? And so what happens is, first, Adam said, hey, the woman you gave me, she told me to eat it. Then Eve said, well, the serpent that was here, the blame game began to happen. And so finally, God's response was this. He went directly to the serpent first. He didn't give the serpent a chance for repentance. Nothing. But straight, straight to punishment. And this is what he said. He said, because you've done this, cursed are you among all animals, among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go Dust you shall eat all the days of your life, and I'll put an enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. The head, your head will strike the heel, and it will crush. And so there in the moment, what God is saying is this. You will forever be on your belly chasing after mankind, but the air of mankind will strike you on its head and crush you. 
And that is to foreshadow the coming of our eventual Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the plan for Jesus was there in the garden. Was there from the beginning. And as you read the Old Testament, you can see that story play out. Until you get to the birth of Christ in the New Testament. So from the moment of the original sin, God had a plan to save us from ourselves. And that was through Jesus Christ. And then he said to the woman that your child pains now will be exceedingly great. And you'll desire your husband and he shall rule over you. And so in this moment, as I said, he doesn't question the serpent. He doesn't give him a chance for confession or for grace. He goes straight to judgment and punishment for the serpent. Because God is more powerful than the devil. And we said that last week. Sometimes we get caught up that the devil is an equal of God. As a reminder, he is not. He was cast out with his angels to the earth. While yet he attacked mankind in the garden and started the spiritual warfare But with Jesus Christ, he is defeated. His power is not the greatest. We have path to salvation and we have the ability to choose the right path. And so in this season of Lent, one of the reasons why we're doing this study of devil in the details is so we understand why in Lent we are called to repent. Why is there this internal struggle here? And why do we have to focus on this repentance during Lent. Lent should not be a time of just extreme shame and guilt. That's what we felt in the garden. But it's a turning of our hearts and minds to God. That's why we call folks to, hey, give up something that distracts you in your daily life. And then replace that with something that you do for God. Whether it's more time in prayer, reading scripture, serving others, attending more church services, starting a Bible study, whatever it may be. That will draw you closer to God. Or, if you can't find anything to give up, you just take on more things that will draw you closer. That's why it's so incredibly important that we do these things when we continue to turn our lives to God. Because remember, as it says here, the serpent is a crafty creature. It knows his Bible probably better than a lot of us. And it knows how to twist those words into falsehoods and to trick us. But the more and more you repent and turn to God and focus on these spiritual disciplines, the more and more you're able to point out the lies of the serpent in your life. Because, like I said, the devil may not be attacking each and every one of us directly, but he's got an angel of armies of himself that does. And it's a constant struggle that we all have to focus on. And so during this season of Lent, may we find ways to repent. May we find ways to not always have this shame and fear in our lives that was felt in the garden after the first sin. But may we have the spirit of hope and joy for what Jesus did for our sake as we journey to the cross and to Easter Day, as he paid our price for the sin of mankind. The wrath of God was satisfied, and now we have the free will to continue to choose to repent and follow him. We have that ability and that power to do that. We don't have to succumb to the evil of the devil. We don't have to. We can resist. We can resist and draw near to our creator 